When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yes, 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 everybody. Welcome <laughs> back to Friends from Work. We are just getting to the end of our phase two. And even though we've had a break in here, welcome back from Christmas break, everybody. Even though we've had that break, it's felt like it's flown by. But well, this is the end of our phase two. We're going to be talking about Age of Ultron today. Robbie, have you felt like it's gone fast or not? I do feel like it's gone fast, even with our break. And I think a lot of that is these movies are just so much more fun to watch. They're just getting better. Um, getting but also, better better. you know, like you're starting to feel a little bit of a pull towards the end. Like we're getting these threads now beyond just like everyone's going to come together to now it feels like, ooh, like something's behind the scenes, something's happening, Kyle. And it feels like it's just starting yes. to head towards something big. As always, I am your co-host, Kyle Sconowell, and I'm joined by just such a beautiful, <laughs> lovely man, Robbie Earl. Guys, oh, Robbie Kyle. Earl is a gem, and I hope... You get to know him a little bit more as we go along. I love him so much. But, <laughs> I love you too, Kyle. Oh, thank you. But um, one other note, we gave people the option in a previous episode to view this phase two differently. So I would love to hear right. how that went for you. You can reach out to us at the FFW podcast on any social media. But our podcast watched Guardians 1, 2, Iron Man 3, Winter Soldier, now this movie. But we threw out the idea you could potentially watch Guardians 2 after this movie. So I'd love to hear if you felt like it was better or worse or whatever. But right. I am going to start this episode off with a premise, Robbie. Now, again, Robbie and I have not talked about this until this moment. But I think that the Friends from Work podcast is in agreement on the following statement. This movie, Age of Ultron, is the most underrated movie in the entire MCU. Would you agree? Agreed. Yep, hands down. Okay, I know everybody out there has got their lists, and you put this movie low, and I get that, but guess what? I just think you're wrong. I don't know what it is. <laughs> this movie is really good. It's well done. It's so fun, and on top of all of that, it's shockingly, astonishingly important. There is just oh yeah 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 so much work done here. I I don't know why I went into it thinking I have to not like this movie because everyone says it's not great, and I just I just can't bring myself to that point. I like it so much, I totally disagree. So I'll stop my rant now. And I know you're <laughs> in agreement with me on this, so don't fight me on that. But just why don't you take it and run with it here and kind of set us up for Age of yeah. Ultron talk? All right. So Avengers: Age of Ultron was released in 2015. It followed Guardians of the Galaxy um, and preceded Ant-Man. It was directed by Joss Whedon, also written by Joss Whedon, so a little bit of a change from the Avengers um, where Zach Penn wrote the story. Here, Joss Whedon has kind of full creative control, obviously, with Kevin Feige as well. And we have the main Avengers cast return, Robert Downey Jr., Chris Hemsworth, Chris Evans, Scarlett Johansson, Jeremy Renner, Mark Ruffalo. We also have the addition of Elizabeth Olsen, who will be around for a while, Aaron Taylor Johnson as Quicksilver, who will not be around for a while, and Paul Bettany, now in the vibranium flesh, as the Vision. And we have James Spader as our villain yes. here, Ultron, and we'll get into more of this later, but I am such a fan of his performance here. I, I, I know that that's one of the more controversial things about this, but I'm excited to kind of hear your thoughts there. But we can get into that a bit later. Why don't you get us started off? What, what is your initial reaction to this movie? Big picture. <laughs> <laughs> well, my initial reaction is just pure joy, and I cannot <laughs> wait to talk about this. Like, listen, audience, this might be a long episode because there's just so much in this movie. I can't. I just can't right. keep this short for you, okay? So just... Suck it up. You're going to love Stop it. Stop complaining. Okay. Jeez, people. Yeah, I, I already hear it. I already had It's too long. <laughs> okay. Okay. I think that 
it's so fun to see the Avengers at full power. The yes. audience and you know at this point how I feel about full power, but think about it. Avengers 1, they're still clunky and putting it together and there's yep. chemistry issues and they can't get it all figured out. Yep. And then, you know, Avengers 3 and 4, they're torn apart. They're never all together again until the very end. Even then they're emotionally distraught, right? This is the closest thing we get to full power Avengers and not only that, but what would the world say to a full power Avengers team? Like like what what repercussions would come from a team being at this level of power, right? right? And I love that about this movie. Let's just go start right from the very beginning. The very first fight is them all on the same page, yep. just like doing it. And uh, I love that. No, and, and I've said this forever because I think people glaze over this movie and you know they point at Avengers because it's fun seeing everyone coming together, or they point towards the later films because they're a little bit more like iconoclast in the way that they come about it, where it's like it's it's fun to see all these relationships kind of torn apart. But in the same way, you know, it's the same argument that I've made about how it's all well and good for you to say, oh, well, Winter Soldier is way better than the first Captain America. Sure, everybody thinks that, but Winter Soldier does not work nearly as well if you don't have the first Captain America. And I don't think that you can have Infinity War or Endgame, at least not anywhere near the sort of impact that we got in those movies if you didn't have, okay, this is the Avengers operating at full strength, getting along together. like And, and even just the details of it that I love so much. Like I, I love what it looks like when you have... Tony just dedicating his full brain power to making the Avengers team awesome. Like he's building gear for them. He's designing the costumes himself. It's like like you see things working in a way that they won't even work as well down the line because it's just like, that's, ah, that's what I love so much. And we'll talk about this moving forward, but it's like, by seeing how well the team works when they're on the same page, it makes the tragedy that is Infinity War hit so much harder. Okay, gosh, I just got three thoughts while you were saying that. One, you just <laughs> have to, I think, as a viewer, acknowledge the challenges that this movie would have coming at this time. Because, uh, listen, I understand. I said this in a previous episode. With Phase 2, that's the challenge. Like, we have to find a way to make an Avengers movie that raises the stakes, keeps you entertained, but knowing that you really can't kill anybody because we want them to play roles in movie 3 and 4. And right. you can't make raise the stakes so high to where it belittles three and four stakes, right? right? There's a challenge that had to be addressed in just making the film in general. Secondly, you referenced Tony Stark. I do love how this movie is um, a depiction of the Avengers are Tony Stark's baby at this point, not just in the, mm-hmm. I mean, he's making the tower for him. He makes all their tech. He makes their suits. He, he makes the iron Legion. He makes the cleanup crew post the Avengers having to fight something. It's just amazing. I love how, like you said, his paranoia now is driving that to full power. And then thirdly, especially after his encounter with Wanda. Yeah. And the third point I have as a comment to what you just said is that first battle shows you not just that they're on the same page and they're powerful, but that they're basically unbeatable if they are on the same page. And yeah, you know I mean, right. like without some kind right. of infinity stone or something, there is no earthly force that's going to stop that. And I think that's even kind right. of the tongue in cheek lines you get the one liners from being people being like, it's the Avengers. We're not going to win. Right. <laughs> um, and like never surrender. I'm going to surrender. Right. But the point is, in this okay, in the same way that the Hulk fight of Infinity War establishes you can't beat Thanos, I like that this movie kind of in that first fight establishes you can't beat the Avengers if they're on the same thing without oh, some that's kind a of great without some kind that. of otherworldly yeah. power, you know? And so this is the Avengers at full power, and I love watching that. I also like the little shout out that I don't think I I, I had noticed this line, but I didn't think about it really as much until this rewatch. But whenever um, Wanda and Pietro first show up in the field, Cap says to Thor, of all the new players we face, I've never seen this. And I like that that kind of gives this sense that, you know, they talk about all the different Hydra bases, but it is like they've been functioning now as a team. Right, and you get I, the I comment think, like, of... largely since Winter Soldier. Well, and you get the comment later of Tony saying, we can bust arms dealers all the live long day, but this is the end game. But right. I, again, another just... I say that to say a shout out to they have been fighting. They've been operating, you know, for a while. So then that kind of actually helps transition me toward one of my favorite scenes that we've gotten in the entire MCU this far, the party scene. But I love the transition yeah. of when they get the scepter... 
in that on the plane ride home, they say, yes, we finally have the scepter, meaning implying they've been doing this for a while, like busting bases right. all over the place. Um, yeah, I like... And that, well, tra- and well, that, we- well, that kind of takes us into, well, we should celebrate because we have it, you know, Revels. Right. But before we go to the Revels, I do want to say, like, I love the way that they show what it looks like for Banner to be on a functioning Avengers team. Don't you? Like, I love this, the idea that it is just like this hellish thing for him where he gets unleashed and goes and like the Hulk does all of the stuff. And then Banner is just kind of broken afterwards and has to come to terms with it. Like it, it, it's just a nightmare. Uh, And even even when he is Hulk, it's still like borderline out of control. Like we still might not be able to stop him. Just FYI. You know, like I just think it's a perfect representation of what it would like. We we get the idea of like, okay, he's on the team, but it really is just like it's like a hurricane that you can aim. Like it's like, yeah, this is this is a big Hulk movie actually. Now that you say that, that's kind of hitting me. There's a lot of Hulk work done in this movie. There is, yeah, yeah, which I appreciate, and I and we'll get into this more later, I'm sure. But I, oh, there's just so much. There's so much. I know, (laughs) but I like even from the beginning. The the stuff that we get with him and Nat, and that's another controversial thing. But like, I I really like that. I, you know, again, and this is this is why I love seeing movies written by the same folks because you you see threads really respected, and I I feel like Joss Whedon laid some really subtle stuff in the first Avengers with Natasha and Bruce, and the way that that he moves that forward here feels like very natural and doesn't feel out of left field to me. It might to some people, but I think that it really humanizes both of those characters and and, and sets up again a lot of great stuff that we get later. I'll get so much. Okay, I have so many thoughts about that, but I'm going to table it for one second because I want to transition <laughs> to this party scene, which I love just so much. We oh, have not gotten yes. a chance to not only see the team at full power, but to see what would that mean personally for them to be friends and on the same page and full power in their social lives. It's really, really right. fun to see this, this party that in a building that Tony built for the Avengers yep. and an Avengers party. And there's so much good work done here, you know, character work. Oh, totally. It's so fun. Just to, like, it's just fun to watch all these characters play. Like it's like having all of your, all of your favorite toys, <laughs> just like seeing everyone interact but there's also a lot of good catch-up done. Like I like that Joss Whedon respects what's been done in all of the Phase Two solo movies that have come before. Like we get shout-outs to each character's little arc. Like we get a Jane and a Pepper shout-out. We get a Bucky shout-out. Like but we Jane see Sam. We see <laughs> one of my favorite moments, which is another one of these, is the. Uh, the War Machine story. <laughs> oh, I have that written down, the Don Cheadle joke. But he drops the tank down, boom, you looking for this? And then my favorite thing is that they show it again and it it kills and people are laughing. Yeah. And he does this little, little nod like, yeah. Yes. Yeah, it is a good the, joke. Screw I those love, guys. <laughs> I love that so. I love, Don Cheadle's actually, I think maybe at his, at his funniest to me in this yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah, this is and, peak Don Cheadle, yep. And whenever he's first telling that story to Tony and, and Thor and... You know, Thor's like, oh, is that the whole story? Oh, is oh, that the whole story? It's, oh, it's, it's very great. Good it's great. Yeah, yeah, I love it. And then it. Don Cheadle's like, quality save. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good. Yeah, way to go. Way to go. <laughs> yes, dude. Oh, the dialogue in this party scene just kills for me. Um, right. Oh, gosh. I have so many thoughts, Rob. I can't even contain them all. Let's talk then in this party scene about the hammer lifting. What a pivotal oh, thing. Oh, man. And one of my has... favorite scenes ever. Okay, okay. One of my favorite scenes ever, Kyle. There's so many layers to this. So there's the mythos layer about who can actually hold this hammer, but there's also just the layer of the chemistry between all the actors and the fun of these characters actually having this conversation. Like if this was real, I feel like this conversation would come up. Like, why can't I pick this up? And I just love it. All of it, all the, like it's everyone handles it in the perfect way. Like Tony getting his Iron Man hand out. And then are you even, are you even lifting? Pull man, are we on the same team? And how about like, I love Nat saying, no, 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 it's not something I need answered. Like that's perfect. Acknowledging like that's not her scene anyways. And then when it wiggles for a second with cap and Thor for a second goes like, Oh crap. Like his eyes. Right. And then he's like, Oh yeah, totally. No, 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 you couldn't do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know. I, it's, it's the exact way. Like, this is my thing. Like, I, you know, because I feel like I, I owe it to Chris Hemsworth to say, like, we we specifically called him out 
in Thor and in the Avengers for not being as settled in as everybody else. He is great yes, here. Like, he is like so dialed dude, in. Dude, it's not the turning point for him is not a hundred percent Ragnarok. I no. realized it is a little bit. This movie, this is kind of the point where I'm like, this is already the good, funny, strong, smart. Yeah. Thor. I mean, it's like he, the, the thing is with Ragnarok, we discover an aspect of him. That's so fun. And so beyond that, we start getting like something that's just a lot more interesting in Thor. But in terms of what Chris Hemsworth's bringing, I think Thor two and age of Ultron he is like really compelling to me. Like he's he's figured out kind of how to carry himself in a way where I'm really in it. And it's like he deli- like whenever he does have a funny line, like after Cap just barely wiggles it, he's just like, oh, nothing. Right. <laughs> like the way that he's <laughs> the way that he's just it's like we get a little preview of <laughs> like Ragnarok kind of Thor humor. Uh, no doubt. I also love that they t- keep this storyline going in the very last scene of the entire movie. They're like, but if you put it in an elevator, does the elevator still goes up? Yeah, it's not worthy. Yes, They're still yeah, the fighting callback. about it. I love it so much. Okay. I even love the way that, that Bruce lifts the hammer where it's like, he's grabbing it and he's like, ah! Yeah, <laughs> right, right. right. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like such a great, he's like making fun of the Hulk. Yeah, that scene is so fun. We are going to discuss the hammer moving at the end of this episode. I know it sounds crazy, but it's such a, Big spoiler alert. So if you want to hear more about that, hang with us. We'll do that at the end of the episode. Fair? Yep. Okay. So moving on. I love James Spader's entrance into this. And now here's the deal. I think this is another one of those situations where me not having any comic book background, Rob, helps my case. I really do. Hmm. Because I think a lot Hmm. of the complaints you would have about Ultron are from preconceived notions of it. Is that fair? Because this version, like James Spader, I love the quirkiness he acts the part with. I prefer it. I think it's fun. I think it shows like an AI that's kind of evolving. Well, it might be a little bit of a Mandarin thing that we've talked about, you know, where it's like people that are fans of the comics, which again, I'm one of these people you build these characters up into into what they should be and you're inevitably disappointed. Yeah, yeah. But if you're just viewing the movie, I think it's a really good job. And it's also fun to watch the behind the scenes and see how much our Avengers, the actors, just really appreciated getting to work with James Spader. Hmm. And I love hearing interviews with James Spader about him like putting himself into that role. You can see his facial expressions, his quirkiness, his movement in the robot. And that's impressive yeah. to me. I, I I just really appreciate the work he does here. I man, I could not agree more. And it's like this is this is blasphemy of the highest order for most MCU fans. I don't even I haven't even really thought about this until now, but I'm just gonna say it, Kyle. I think Ultron is a more interesting villain than Loki was in the Avengers. <laughs> okay. I I do too, but I know that everyone listening right now hates us for saying that. Do you understand that? I know they do. I know they do. And I, I love Loki as a character, and I've talked about what I what I love about Loki and where I think he shines, and I loved him in the Avengers. But I think that, like, man, whatever faults that this movie has, and, and we can touch on some of those, but it's like I am always watching when I rewatch this to see if if I feel like James Spader or the Ultron character ever gets cheesy or slips up. And I think that that, it is perfect. Like the way he plays it, I I think the character, I love the way that it channels Tony's personality, that we get shout outs from Claw that he's like saying Tony's sayings. Like it really, even, even Wanda's line where she's like, you know, Ultron can't tell the difference between saving the world and destroying it. Where do you think he gets that? Like it is such an interesting character because it's exactly what you're talking about where like, okay, you've got to get from point A where you have... Loki kind of introducing the the Thanos Infinity Stone thing to point B where you have the Thanos Infinity Stone thing happening, but also move the ball along. And I think some people fault this movie for being like, oh, well, it's just a connecting point between those two eras. But I, I think that this is huge in what it tells us about Tony, what it tells us about Cap, what it tells us about the Avengers in general. But gosh, the way that the way that James Spader does the Ultron character, I find so compelling and so funny. I, I oh, the, they even use 
Ultron as a vehicle to help us learn more about Tony. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Yo, like yeah. he's just the vehicle to see that side of him and his panic and all of that. This is his paranoia played out into a character of Ultron. And I agree. I love it. Not to mention his voice is just so cool. Right. It's so cool sounding. Yeah. I think he plays it well. We are in total agreement on this, Rob. So I don't even know if we need to just keep fanboying, but I am in total I, agreement. I, I, love, I love it. it. I, so, so really briefly, like I'm talking 30 seconds, keep this short. What are the concerns from fans that hate it? Is it that he does some like quirky one-liners that a robot wouldn't say? You know, I've, is that I what haven't it is? heard that. I'm, I'm, maybe some people feel that way. I think what I've heard generally is people complain about how the age of Ultron is like the weekend of Ultron and that, you know, he doesn't actually end up really being that much of a threat. Again, I totally disagree with that because even on this rewatch, the impact that he has on the Avengers is ultimately massive and tragic in what he brings about. Like if you look at, and we can get into that down the road, but that is one of the complaints. But like I said earlier, this entire movie is a vehicle, right? It's taking us from one place to another. And using Ultron to do that is so perfect for me. If you don't have a preconceived notion of Ultron has to be a super bad guy. And that's the other, yeah. It accomplishes yeah. all the missions though. But that's my, my point is it, it does all the work it needs to do unless you think in your head he's got to be like this epic villain, right? If he doesn't have to be, everything right. else makes sense to me. Right. That, he, that Tony would make this out of accident, but it teaches us a lot about Tony. It gets the Avengers, it, it allows us to see the Avengers at full strength be able to defeat it. It also allows us to invent vision. Well, and I, I also think that a lot of critics, and this is why I, I just don't know, like I don't really know what the answer is because I just think we're having very different experiences but I've seen people just say that they find the the villain uninteresting, and I don't know if that's because it's not a it's not a person, or they don't feel like his motivation is clear. Like I don't, I I just don't. I've never experienced that. I've always thought that that's a. I've always thought that's a shame because, like I like I said, I think James Spader really showed up here and gave us something super interesting. And I've watched this movie so many times and have yet to ever lose interest in that character. So it's like, I, that is the complaint. I don't know where it's coming from. I'm blinded. I agree. We're again, this is our, this is our movie where we're going to come into this on the same team for a this lot fun. of this. I like this. I love it so much because of that. I'm going to move off that. Okay. Yeah. Um, I also want to talk about, I feel like just the dialogue, the chemistry, and obviously the teamwork as far as how the Avengers work. It's all a step up from the Avengers one. Yeah, I, think. I agree. Again, I don't want to compare the movies. I do think I'm going to score Avengers one better because of the impact it had at the time. Right. And the task it had to do. And I right. get that, but the dialogue is better. I mean, I'm just going to do a couple lines. They're just totally fun. And maybe some of us is improv, but some of it's just better. I love in the first thing we were talking about when, um, when they say Thor report on the Hulk and he says, the gates of hell are filled yes. with the screams of his victims. <laughs> and then Banner's like, what? Oh no. And he's like, I mean, they're just massively injured and more, more just like complaining of their injuries and, <laughs> and, and, and gout, you know, that whole bit. Right. That's great. Like again, funny Thor. Um, but then there's serious lines. They're just so good. I mean, dude, fast forward to the end game sequence, but this is where we get the origination of how do you plan on beating that? That yes. up there is the end game. Okay. And how do you plan on beating that? That's the end game. And then Cap says, together. Well, then we'll lose. Then we'll do that together too. That's the, again, yeah. so many references to this movie. Yeah. That's the scene. Like I even noticed that like, there's a line we get like right before that, like it's in the same scene, maybe like 30 seconds before. And these two lines, I was like, oh my gosh, that is Cap and Tony's relationship like in a microcosm. Like Cap says, the Avengers were supposed to be different than S.H.I.E.L.D. And then like a little bit later, Tony's like, but that up there, that's the end game. And I'm like, that's it. Like that is what's driving them through the whole rest of this thing. I know. And we're just building. We're slowly building it's the, like, you oh know, my the dysfunction between the two it's, of them. It's like we see their motivation so clear. And, and I just, man, I'm going to let you keep going. But it's like, I just want to sit in that because I love how much we've had those seeds from each of their respective like origin films and how they've been growing in such interesting ways. And now with the benefit of hindsight, knowing that those threads were taken all the way through so satisfactorily, but it's like, 
you're right. Like in that scene, in these lines, like we get a huge amount of development. But anyway, keep going. There are so many good lines. I don't want to cut you off. You know, I was just trying to prove the point that I think the dialogue is so great without. So I'm not going to say all the lines. The only other one I was going to quickly say, and I do think you were wise to sit in that moment. Like I want to come back to that a little bit. But um, I just love the line when Elizabeth Olsen says, and what if they don't evolve? And then Ultron says, ask Noah. Yeah. I, there's just a lot of good dialogue. <laughs> I just, I like yeah. it a lot. Yeah, I mean, again, I think there are so many great Ultron lines, but I I kind of love the way that Joss Whedon writes him. Like, he gives him these kind of theatrical flourishes, and whenever Wanda and Pietro first meet him, he has that little speech where he's like, you know, they built this church in the exact center of town so that everybody was the same distance from God. I like that, yeah. the geometry of belief. Yes. It's like such a cool line. Like, I, I mean, I, again, I can see people pushing yes. back and be like, no, that's a really dumb, cheesy line. Guess what? I love it. <laughs> I'm into it. It's not your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Okay, so quickly going back to that creating of Ultron scene, I wrote down that in that scene, Tony's yeah. lack of self-awareness is astonishing. I like love when he that scene. actually laughs. Is this funny? Is this bad? Is this so bad? So good, but right. also Tony, like now is not the time, first of all. Right. Second of all, I wrote down, Stark just needs to communicate with them a little better, right? He does so many things on his own because of these fears, whereas I think Cap, if you just even communicate right. with him, like, do you trust me? Remember that? If you even just right. get to that point, he might trust you. But you are doing this, Tony, kind of like rogue a little bit. Like, reel it back. Yeah. But ultimately, I agree with him. <laughs> like, I under I understand his justification. There's just ways he could have gone about it I better. mean, no, I mean, you're you're right. I think it's just... It's even it's even something that we'll, that we'll see in Civil War a bit, where it's like that moment that that Cap realizes that Tony's just not being totally honest with him is the moment when everything breaks. It's like, I think you're right. Like, if, if he would just communicate that stuff with Cap and with the rest of the team, like, they, they, they probably could have avoided Ultron. Like, they probably, he could have slowed down, you know, they could have, but it's like he, rather than even just telling Thor, like, I need more time with this, it had to be this kind of like clandestine, not telling Thor what's going on. He's going to work on the the scepter while they're getting ready for the party. Like it's just this thing where it's like, man, like he has no. I mean, it goes it goes back to all of these lines that we've gotten from Tony, where he's like, you know, if my math's right, and it always is, or it's like, you know, Tony is just never. He's never ever contemplating the fact that he might be wrong. No, 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 until, no, no. Like, See, okay, ho, oh, baby. Well, no, 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 I, wait, wait. Until I think until after the fact. I think once he makes mistakes, he might second guess things. But I think like he's always just going to plow ahead because he thinks that his instincts are always the right ones. No, it, well, maybe his instincts, but it doesn't mean he doesn't think he's going to make mistakes. Like he said, we're no, no, mad no, scientists. There's going to be mistakes. He's just more willing to go for it for the greater good eventually. Like you said, make compromises. Whereas, but I think he thinks that the tiny mistakes aren't, aren't like, I, I think know. I would, just don't he, think I would say that he thinks he doesn't think he'll ever be wrong. That's not, I think he thinks he's wrong a lot, but yeah, it's still worth yeah, it. Yeah. You know, well, no, I guess it just depends on how you, how you define wrong. Cause like what I'm saying with that is like, I think Tony can't see it as wrong. Like if he thinks that he has a noble goal, and this is where I'm saying that I think he's sort of like Fury. Right, in that, he'll like, compromise to get there. Right, like I don't think he has any problem with the means being a little bit messy. If the 100%, ends are worth it. 100%. I think Cap way more values the means. Like I think Cap almost like the ends are always secondary because it's like he wants everything to be done kind of with this sort of integrity. And it's, yeah, you're right. It's like both sides are so totally fair. It's, it's so good. Okay, I got to keep us moving. I have to. You're right. Otherwise, you're right. people will get so sick of hearing us talk about it. But that is that, again, is the foundation of the Avengers in general, I think, that disagreement. Right. I mean, I don't feel bad about stopping there because I feel like that is the, the, the single biggest takeaway from this 100%, movie for me. 100%. So let's talk about um, some of the other smaller things that are less <laughs> impactful than that. Um, sure. I love... 
that this movie, you know, Hawkeye's never had a movie, and I don't know if this is controversial to say, I love that we get to see so much about Hawkeye. I love that he has a hidden house. I love he has a family. This is the first Avengers yeah. hero that has like a backstory with a family and kids. And we don't, I mean, you, you just don't hear about that with other yep. people. And that's such a fun, unique thing to me. And that whole bit where everything's not going well and they have to go to the safe house and he's got a family and they are just left to their wit and will, as Fury would say, is another one of the best scenes to yep. me. So that's an interesting one because, you know, I, I feel like maybe more so than I think any movie that, that we've talked about so far, this movie just had a, a lot of different controversies around it. Um, and I don't really want to get into most of those because I just don't know that, that this is the place. But one that I think is interesting from a storytelling perspective was apparently there was kind of a push and pull between Joss Whedon and Feige about kind of how much of this movie, sort of like an Iron Man 2 scenario in some ways, like how much of this needed to be set up for Infinity Saga stuff and how much of it could be character work. And apparently Joss fought really hard for this scene in particular, the farmhouse scene, because I think the studio wanted it cut. And he he like made other compromises. Like I think there was another scene, and this is something we'll probably get into in the what doesn't work. The Thor storyline was initially a lot more fleshed out, and I think the studio like, but it was kind of weird. And the studio was basically like, you can either do this weird Thor thing, <laughs> or you can do this kind of slow farmhouse scene, like character study, but you can't do both. And Joss Whedon wound up cutting a lot of the Thor stuff, which people ultimately noticed because it, it's pretty bare. And leaving this scene that I am so grateful for. Yeah, I mean, otherwise, I don't, I don't see why I would care about Hawkeye at all by the time we get to the end of this saga. Yeah, he hasn't had much screen time or development, and I just really appreciate that. I, I love, yeah, I don't know. There's just a lot about this farmhouse scene that I personally enjoy. There's so much good character development that happens here between Hawkeye and getting to learn his background. But I know there's some controversy with this, but I like the work that's done between Banner and Nat. And I like that they have to flesh out some of their fears. You know, like yeah. there's a lot about that that I like. And then I also, yeah, their motivations. Like I think maybe some of the controversy is just from viewing it maybe a little differently. And I, I just don't know that I feel that if that's right. fair. I right. also would say that there's other great work, even between cap and Tony. Remember the woodcutting scene? Yes. There's a lot yeah. of fun stuff there. where basically again, they're head there again. I'm not going to go back to the first scene, but again, they're butting heads over their disagreement yeah. where I see both sides. Well, and this may be even more than anywhere else is like almost a, a straight up foreshadowing of civil war where you have that line from Tony where he's like, I don't like a guy without a dark side. And Cap's like, well, maybe you just haven't seen it yet. It's like, right. oh, because the next time we see both of those characters, he's going to see it, Kyle. He's going to see the dark side. Another note. I do like that from that scene all the way to when Tony goes to fix the tractor and Fury's in there, we actually yeah. get to see Tony a little bit admitting his failure and vulnerability. So that's Tony saying he's wrong. And I love when he says like, I did it. I, I ended the Avengers or I'm tearing the Avengers apart. I right. saw it. And even that line of like, this is the end of the, of the path that I started us on is right. so intense. But him acknowledging it though is a step. Yeah, true. But also, so transitioning that, I loved the banner stuff with Nat, but in general, I think this movie is so good for Hulk as a character. Mm -hmm. and I know we briefly touched on that, but dude, we get such a good glimpse of how ashamed of this he is. You know, like you said, having to fight in the team like a hurricane, but like even how he flees at the very end. Right. And how he struggles with where can I go? You know, the, I don't know. Oh, it's just really good, even with Banner. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that part of, part of what I'm getting at whenever I say that that Ultron's, man, Tony's actions in creating Ultron, but Ultron's actions as a villain have lasting consequences in that, like, it's it's Ultron that that kills Wanda's brother, ultimately, which will have repercussions. But it's Ultron also that, like, right as Hulk and Nat 
are like about to touch and she's like doing the lullaby thing. He comes by with the ship and like shoots him and Hulk like jumps off and then winds up, you know, flying out to space. We don't know where at this point, but like that's going to have massive repercussions for what happens from here on out because it's like even as Ultron's losing, he's just basically in, in his last moments trying to tear down as much as he can on his way out and and we see the the effects of that all the way towards the end of the series and the tragedy even of man like the tragedy of of banner and nat's relationship like i i love how we get these lines here like at the farmhouse where you know, he's like, oh, we missed our window. And she's like, did we? And then it's this kind of like push and pull of like finally at the end, Banner's like, you know what? Yes, like we're going to run away together. And it's like in that moment, it's like heartbreaking because he's finally just like, yeah, I'm going to go for this. I'm going to like give myself permission to go for this. And she like kicks him into the hole and is like, nope, I've like got to have the Hulk. And she's totally justified in doing that. But it's like, he finally lets his guard down in this way of like, okay, I think I can maybe try to have this life that you're talking about. And then she turns him into the Hulk. So crazy. Like, yeah. And gosh, and it's, it's sad to me. Yeah, it is a tragedy. I, I get what you're saying. I think the important thing about Nat, this is the seed being planted of she's never had a family. Like the basic human instincts of not feeling whole, she's never been able to have. She had that taken away from her right. as a child. And then she, my point is the Avengers are becoming her family. Like she doesn't right. have a different purpose. Yeah, no, that's totally true. I mean, I, I I think she's never really felt like she's a part of something. And even though, again, a line that we get in the farmhouse where she says, you know, like I had this dream that I was an Avenger. Like even now she's struggling with like, if she deserves that, like if she feels like she really belongs there. Yeah, you're right. We get we get a lot of great development from her as well here. Okay, so the next stop on our fanboying over Ultron movie. <laughs> Let's go to another just incredible sequence, Robbie. I'm closing my eyes and hitting my head because I'm so unbelievably shocked at how much I love this. The creation <laughs> of Vision, dude, oh, is yeah. so cool. Okay, first of all, like you said, the line of... Elizabeth Olsen, Scarlet Witch saying, where do you think he gets that from, right? And then yeah, cuts yeah. to Tony again, convincing Bruce to help him on this, which is amazing because Bruce is even pushing back going, we just did this. This was the whole reason this right. movie started. But Tony, again, is not going to compromise. I'm stuck in a time loop. And then I love that after Tony is not going to compromise and he's wrong and Cap gets back and says, shut it down and they're all fighting, Thor comes and forces the issue, yeah. and then that entire like ten minutes of just tense drama of right. what is this going to be? Is he going to be good? Is right. he going to be bad? Do we just create another super bot? And then go, Robbie! And then to tie it all back together with, he goes, I don't know if he's good or yeah, bad, but we yep. need to go. And he grabs the hammer <laughs> after all the talk of the hammer stuff, and they all just look at it. And there's this amazing Thor yep. bit where he's like, okay. <laughs> Good work, everybody. And he kind of looks around the room. They're all like, oh yep. my gosh. He just picked it up. Like it's nothing. Oh, Ravi. No, come on. I mean, it's, fa me it's fantastic. It. And it's like, I think that it's, there's so much that I love about this scene. One, I love that even though Thor's vision, quote unquote, is a little bit confusing, I like that he talks about the Mind Stone being at the center of it. I like the idea that he's seeing vision as this, like guardian of the mind stone for us like moving forward and the implications that that'll have. But I also like, I love again, not even just in this movie, I think Joss Whedon sets an amazing tone for how vision should be written, but the way that vision will communicate in all the movies after this, like he gives me some of my favorite lines and that they're just always so poignant. Yeah, and Paul Bettany is Man, great, he's, by the yeah, way. Oh, he's brilliant. Yeah. And that's one thing that like, you know, with the exception of there's a really, really amazing, and I'll, I'll post this, there's a really amazing comic series um, that's called The Visions, written by Tom King, that's like the best incarnation of Vision I've seen in the comics. But like the classic version of Vision, I never found as interesting as the way that... Whedon imagines him here. And like, 
that dialogue that we get between him and Ultron at the very end of this movie. Oh, dude, it's so good. It's but one of my are, favorite. There is grace in their failings, and I think you've missed oh, that. Gosh. Yes. yes. I love when Ultron says they're doomed, and then Vision goes, yes. I love that. Yeah. And then he yeah. goes, but, you know. Well, well, and what he says after that is like one of my favorite lines in the in the in the MCU when he's like, "Yes, but a thing isn't beautiful because it lasts." Oh! Gosh. Yeah. That's such a line. I'm saying like I, I and this is deep, what I mean. My friends. This is where I'm like, "All right. This is where if you're listening to this right now and you just are like, "Nope." Too cheesy, too much. Like I, I totally get it, and we just have very different tastes. But like, I don't. I love these lines. <laughs> like, I love how much that Joss Whedon just swings for the fences with this stuff. You know? No, I absolutely do. Like I said, I interrupted you and said <laughs> I don't agree with you if you're saying that. So come find me. Um, <laughs> no, it's so good, and I think it's such a clever, fun thing to see Vision be this superbot that has vibranium shell. The Mind Stone kind of running him, powered by a little bit of Tony Stark's Jarvis and a little bit of Bruce Banner's biomechanics work. Like, yep. it's, it's, I love how they come up with this super bot, and that's fun. Yeah. Like, it is a little bit of everything. You know what? I, in terms of like a big picture thing, just because you mentioned Vibranium, another thing that I really noticed in this movie is one, I, I love how something I, I read an article on not too long ago was how Marvel's really tried to make as little of the major MCU action take place in New York City as possible, just because that's you? so cliche. Right. Exactly. And, and they've like really kept things like global. And this movie's like, there's so, there's so many different locations and they're all so interesting and different. I mean, like we're in Korea, we're in Africa, like we're in. Oslo with Tony, we're at the farmhouse, but it's like, I love the way that this movie, st I mean, still pretty early on, like three years before we got the Black Panther movie, I guess a little over a year before we got Civil War, started laying the the foundations for Black Panther and the yes. way that, it's so it's so cool to me and it's so like subtly and well done. When you rewatch like this, you realize Black Panther was not just dropped out of nowhere, that movie. Not only did oh, you get Civil yeah. War where you get his introduction, but yes, this is like the second reference already to Vibranium. And then when they say Wakanda, Wakanda, somewhere, yeah. and they're like, oh, and then Tony and Cap look at each other because they both that. know what that is and where it's coming yep. from. Yes, again, the and reference by the all way, the way back to Cap 1. I know, but Claw's in this movie too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Andy Serkis, who again has a brilliant performance here. I know, it's so dude. fun. His cuttlefish thing. <laughs> no, but okay, the Black Panther references is just next level. That's next level genius to have this stuff start getting worked in. Um, right, love that. That was I wrote that down, Robbie. I'm, I'm telling you, I have two pages of notes, <laughs> and you're hitting some of these. Um, my Wakanda note has four exclamation points after. I just wrote Wakanda. Yeah. <laughs> well, and even and even again, like this is the point at which, and and you know, I'm talking about Joss Whedon doing service to the Phase Two movies, and I think that the Phase Three movies really owe a lot to what he did here. Right, and that's the thing is, you, you know how I don't like <laughs> new things just to be dropped on me out of nowhere. And so when I rewatch this and I see the hints of all this Black Panther right. stuff, it actually makes me like Black Panther more, the movie, because it doesn't feel as out of nowhere for me. Uh, <laughs> I like, uh, dude, I like Age of Ultron a lot. <laughs> um, um, oh, oh, okay, same, same scene, not super Wakanda related, but just something that I thought was really fun. Um, one, I, I was going to say earlier, I think that I like that Tony feels very in keeping with like where we left him in Iron Man 3, both personality-wise and that I feel like he's a little goofier, he's a little crazier, and motivation-wise, which we've already kind of talked about. But like I think his humor is a little bit more off-color like it was there. But we even get a little bit of an Iron Man 3 theme, which again makes sense because we have Brian Tyler returning here. But when he first puts on the Hulkbuster suit, did you notice that? Yes, I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like that because we've said before, like there aren't really moments where we get a musical signature for Iron Man. So even if that again is only Brian Tyler patting himself on the back, I still like that there's a little, I think this maybe is the only kind of continuity we get for him. You know, it's not like Cap where we have that one theme carry him all the way through. So that was kind of fun. 
Okay, we're at the point in the episode where I just have to blaze through some other random tidbits. We can go real quick of things that I found really interesting. All right. One, if you watch the behind the scenes again of the actual filming, it's so cool. They get to actually go to all these locations. They talk about how this is different than the previous movie, which was mostly filmed, I think, in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. This is all over the place, and it's really cool. Some of those locations, like they go to Italy, and it is like straight up Italy that they're in costume doing their thing, but it looks like it's not CGI because it's not CGI'd. And Hmm. um, that last fight scene in Sokovia, they did so much of that with practical effects. They literally got a chunk of a town in Italy and they let them blow it up. And it's amazing. Oh, that's crazy. So go look that up. It's fascinating. Dude, the behind the scenes is blowing my mind on this time through. Um, huh. Just the amount of work that goes into this. And and I can see how getting on location as an actor would help you get into scene more, right? Oh, it, totally. it just You're not in front of a green screen. You're in a literal, beautiful location where you can totally. play off that. Okay. Also, I love that Bruce Banner, if you caught this line, helped develop Veronica. Yeah, 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 yeah. He says that line, and I love the idea that Bruce is aware of what might happen, so they're taking together precautions. Yep. Love that idea. Which, again, you know, Um, we'll kind of come back later. Right. I just like that they're on the same page with that stuff. Um, Also, just to reiterate, this movie does so much work bringing together the other movies. We already talked about that, but I just have to highlight again, like even that, like you said, the line, every time someone tries to win a war before it starts. Right. It just, there's so much work done dealing with the effects of the other movies. And again, props to Marvel that this is not a thing that other films have been able to do. Yeah. And they can in these movies. Oh, yeah. Super then, well. Then the last thing I want to say really quickly is that Ultron is ultimately the one that figures out the Mind Stone is within the Scepter. And he says, just like humans in the Avengers, they didn't think to look within and they pop out the actual power source, quote unquote. Oh, yeah. I love that he's the one, the first one to be like, hey, we should look what's actually powering this thing. I just kind of like that idea. Which goes so hand in hand. I also, love his, ultimately. I also love his vibranium line. The most versatile metal yes. in the world. And they use it to make <laughs> and a they frisbee. they use it to make a frisbee. <laughs> yes. Which is so good, by the way. Yeah, it's so great. Um, Which again, just makes me say, Ultron has so much great dialogue. Oh, it's like, it really is, I think, flawless. And I'm not saying that all the dialogue in this movie is flawless, but I think that slice of it absolutely is. Fight me. Okay, Okay. at this point, <laughs> I think we need to move on here to kind of get close to wrapping this up, all right? Okay, but I'm not going to argue again for the merits of this movie. I did just want to say there was a, a fun thing that I had never noticed watching this this time, and maybe I'm, I'm dumb here, but did you ever notice the new Battle of New York statue at the top of Grand Central Station? No. So I don't know how I missed this, but like the as soon as they go from the from the plane back from the battle with Hydra when they're heading back to the tower, the way that they show the tower is by showing Grand Central Station and then the camera like pans up and it's it's a reference obviously to the Avengers where Grand Central Station was destroyed when the Leviathan crashed through with Thor and Hulk. That's really cool. But there's this whole new little monument at the top that says the Battle of New York on it. And I thought that was a nice little touch that totally escaped me until last night watching this. Well, it still escaped me, so I'll go back and look for that now. I yeah. love that. Okay. We just spent 95% of this episode just glowing about it. There are a few concerns <laughs> I had, okay? Sure. The most major one is, like you said, Thor's storyline is a little weird. He's acting amazing. Don't get me wrong. But the right. whole plot point of him having to go to that lake, that pond thingy, that cave to figure out his vision, like, that was all just strange. I'm not saying it's like horrible. It's just a little bit weird. If you don't know what's going on, you kind of be like, hey, what's he, what is he doing? What's going on in this? Right. So have you, have you seen the original scene? I guess not. <laughs> so it is, it is available. I would encourage people to go watch it. If only it, it does kind of give some context. It is weird. I think it's interesting. Apparently, like Chris Hemsworth enjoyed doing it. I think we saw even now that he was kind of wanting to push this character to more interesting places. Again, like I said earlier, I think this is one of the things that Joss Whedon really liked and that that Marvel made him cut. But originally, the way that the scene went is Thor gets into the water and basically becomes like possessed by the the Norns, which are these like Norse mythological beings. 
Okay, and you're getting weird on me. This is getting I know, no, no, I'm, I'm telling you, this is what happened. Like, you should go, go watch the scene. And he speaks in this, like, demon voice. Like, but it's through Chris, it's still Chris Hemsworth's voice, but he's, like, using this kind oh, of crazy, and it's, like, got vocal okay. effects. And he's, and it's, like, it's, like, prophesying and all of this kind of crazy stuff. But, and, and it, I mean, again, you can kind of see why Marvel was, like, ah, Maybe yeah, not. Yeah, maybe not. Let's Apparently, back, back it up. So they they put it in front of test audiences, and they were like, "Nope." <laughs> but but I think you do at least in that in that scene get a little bit more explanation of what's going on to where Thor's like, you know, this is this like place you go, and like if you can kind of handle it the right way, then you can get this kind of insight, and then you 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 know he gets taken hold of and fights back and it's I mean again it's worth watching just to see what Joss Whedon was envisioning I do think probably ultimately the movie feels better without it <laughs> but I do think this is one of those okay, movies as, where as like, Luis would say back it up back right? it up here Rob this is, this is getting this way is, out of left field <laughs> Yeah, no, I was going to say, I, I, I'm not, and I'm not bringing this up just because it's like a fun fact. I bring it up because like this is a big reason why people complain about Thor is like Joss Whedon did have a developed Thor arc. Like there were other elements of the storyline of him like chasing down the vision. For sure, for sure. And for that sure. was cut because the studio felt that it was too weird. And the result is that people are now like, oh, well, like why is Thor doing totally unexplainable things in right. this movie? So that's the only reason I bring that up. Which is a fair complaint if this is all we see, which is the right. movie. If I don't have to go watch all the deleted scenes, no, no, no totally, totally. It was, it's a weird and a little bit lacking plot line. I understand why. That's you're explaining right. why, but <laughs> it is a little bit of a weird plot point. I will say to kind of tie on something I loved. I didn't mention this earlier, but I do love the nightmare sequences we get for oh, all the characters, yeah. kind of like the one that Thor is chasing. Yeah. So you get to see all of their fears played out and they all get to kind of, again, tie in their old movies with little scenes. Yeah. And it's great. A lot of great work has done in and, those nightmares. So, and I, well, but I even noticed that, I mean, the, the versions we see are obviously different because just the movies that those visions were kind of referencing were made by different people ultimately. But like, I was thinking kind of for the first time how, in a lot of ways, each character's vision ends up coming true in a sense. Ooh, that's you know, weird. Like, yeah. And I don't want to. I don't want to get too far into that because that's a little spoilery as well. But it's like if you trace the only exception oh, they to do. that, they do. I'm thinking could it potentially now. be Natasha. But I'm really excited to see how Black Widow might even inform that. Wow. Oh goodness. Okay. Yeah, we can't get into that, but that is a good point. I've never thought about. Is they ultimately like do you, have some version of that kind of happen? Yeah, I mean, I think the the line that really hit me this time that I hadn't noticed again somehow, like I think this time watching just a lot of stuff popped out at me, but whenever, you know, Cap has his vision and she's like, the war's over, you know, we can go home. And then after Thor leaves, Cap turns around to walk back into Clint's house. And then he hears that voice like, we can go home. And it's Ooh. like, he can't bear to walk inside a home. Ow, 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 so ow, he turns ow, around ow. And, and walks back outside. Brutal. Brutal, but so good. Oh my! Yeah, so, so good. good. Okay, I don't feel like Elizabeth Olsen is is perfectly settled in yet. Now I have to give a disclaimer. I think she's amazing. Like Scarlet Witch is one of my favorite characters going forward. This first okay, introduction yeah. to her, I don't think is perfect. Is that fair? I think that's fair. Okay. Yeah. And I again, I don't have preconceived notions from comics, but I didn't think Quicksilver was perfect. I do like that they did at least kill a character. I know some people are mad like, we didn't get any more Quicksilver. As a again, not as a comic guy. I'm okay with that because it raises the stakes when somebody dies. So, I'm thankful for the right. death. I just didn't think the Agreed. character was perfect either yet. Yeah, I thought that, you know, I'm always I'm always going to go for a character like I want a character to be in at least two movies before they die or it feels a little bit like they were introduced just to give us that moment. But what I do like about this, not to get too hung up on the death thing again, is Joss Whedon has this tendency through a lot of his work to kind of bait people. And there were like there were all these rumors leading up to this movie that he was going to kill off an Avenger. And I love how he plays into that because like the whole movie, it makes you think Hawkeye is going to die. And it like really leans into that. And then at the very end, 
there's the bait and switch. And I, I thought that that was well done with Quicksilver. My last major problem with the movie is the entire bit of the city flying. I, it doesn't bother me really, but I can see how somebody would say that's just an over-the-top like ending to the film. It's such a strange way for Ultron hmm. to decide he wants to kill everybody. Yeah. To try to do that. Yeah, although I do like the like meteor kind of like cleansing imagery that he uses when he's talking about it. I do like the imagery and he says, like, and believe me, God is winding up. Right. I right. I love that idea. But can you see how it'd be if someone would sure. say that's pretty far fetched? I'd be like, Yeah, I get that. It is. Right, right. <laughs> I do like I, that Clint recognizes it too. Like I think we got a lot of oh, good lines there. Or oh, yes. he's like, the city's flying. We're fighting an army of killer robots. And I have a bow and arrow. None of this makes right. any sense. <laughs> I know. Oh, dude, again, I, I keep trying to just say the things I don't like, and it gets pulled you pull me back into the things I do like. <laughs> I loved all those lines. How about when he says, when Vision says, that's true, he hates you the most to Tony Stark as he walks by. Right, right. <laughs> love that so much. How about all the language jokes? Remember? Language. Yes. And then later, you know, Cap doesn't like when you use that kind of language. Ooh, um, you kiss your mother with that mouth? Yes, at the very end. <laughs> when he says that, yes. Again, okay. Okay, stop. There's so many good things, but I got to go back to some of the things that don't work. I'm tempting um, you. The only other two things that totally don't work is I think it's just cheesy that at the end, Ultron actually has a heart, a mechanical heart that Elizabeth Olsen rips out. Come on. A mechanical yeah. heart? A robot doesn't need a heart. Yeah, I mean, that doesn't bother me because, like, I don't, you know, it's not like it's, like, beating. Like, I think it's just supposed to be some kind of, like, core of whatever process. Okay, whatever. Like, but they make it that doesn't, I get what you're saying, the, but it doesn't. The last thing is... I think, it, you know, it, that's never that's never bothered me. The last thing is, and I told you to look for this and tell me if you saw it, there's one shot in the movie that is the worst visual Marvel has ever had in any movie they've ever done. There's a visual where Thor is chasing a car that has fallen off the flying city. And for some reason, they ran out of budget for that scene. All of a sudden, for one shot, it looks <laughs> like a Spider-Man Homecoming student film. It's so bad. It's worse than Loki going down the toilet of the black hole. It's so bad. Did you catch it this time? Yes or no? I, no, I didn't. I even Oh, you're just crazy. It. No, you're crazy. I, I know the scene you're talking about, but and, and I I think I could kind of, like I could see a bit what you're getting at, but I must I have to have missed what you're referring to cuz it did not strike me as in any way like abnormally bad, like just kind of CGI, but not like It looks terrible, but again, I'm moving on because this movie's so good. <laughs> um yeah, I mean, I think the only things that I noticed that didn't work like they were you know, it's it's kind of similar to me to a few writing moments for the Avengers where, like, Joss Whedon is, like, 90% huge wins for me. Sometimes it's, like, it leans a little bit too much into the, into the like, comic booky dramatic thing to where sometimes the lines are a little cheesy. Like, I, you know, okay, so here's, here's an example. Like, Natasha at the very end whenever Bruce turns into the Hulk and she's like, now go be a hero. Like, that line feels a little cheesy to me. It doesn't feel super, like, in character for Natasha. Like, Cap's line, whenever Tony has his vision, like, it, and it's almost kind of the way Evans delivers it, that, like, you could have saved us. Feels, like, a little over the top. Like, a little, like... Well, but that, to me, it's a vision. Sure. So, in a way, it's kind of what Tony thinks it would be like. That's fair. So, I feel like that's why it's acted differently. Per personally, that's no, how I've always No, that's fair. That. And I'm not, I'm not, I don't know if I'm blaming anybody for that necessarily. It just feels a little bit like the, like the play at the beginning of Ragnarok. <laughs> I see what you're saying. I didn't feel that extreme amount um, for any of this stuff, but I know what you're, I know what you mean. Right. And uh, yet, like I said, none of the lines were, are, are cringy by any means. They're just a, like every now and then I'm like, uh, I don't like, it's not. It's not as like sometimes he's so zippy and like the the writing just sings and every and like any line that's like at all like a B line just kind of stands out because I think his writing is is generally like so solid. No doubt. Oh wait, and one more kind of interesting thing that I thought about. It's kind of crazy, isn't it, that we we don't see Nick Fury again after this movie until that brief appearance in the post credit scene of Infinity War. Yeah, it's my. But we won't see him actually have like a major role in a movie again until Far From Home. I, that is wild to think about. My last two oh waits, one of them <laughs> is that uh, I really like Nick Fury again. 
I love how he plays yeah. the right notes to get the team together. The second last 08 was, man, it's, it is fun for me in my heart to see Cap and Tony kind of be friends for a second. At the very end, after yeah. all this drama and dysfunction and disagreement that we've talked about, I like that you get that last conversation between them. Are, are you going to be okay? Yeah, I think I will. And, and they actually open up to each other for a second. But it's just like for my fanboy right. heart, I'm right. like, yes, please just be friends, please. <laughs> but I like that, just a glimpse of it. Okay, we need to move into my favorite part. You know I love lists. You know I love ranking. Yes. So let's talk about this. Why don't you uh, go first okay. with where you scored no, this? No, no, no. You go first Me? this time. Okay. I'm too nervous. All right, all right, all right. You got to okay. start. Well, again, I have to say this. This movie has a 75% score on Rotten Tomatoes, which is crazy. That's one of the lowest MCU films. It does yeah. have 83% audience, and I can see how critics could maybe watch just this movie and think – it wasn't as good, if that makes sense. I could see how they sure. could find things. But if you've watched all along, I just totally disagree. So I have moved well, this and, film. And I think in hindsight, this movie gets better also. Yes. Right? Yeah, I think that's fair to say. So for me, this movie is a 90%. It is 11 out of 23 for me in the MCU. Now, maybe you were thinking it would be higher based off how much we gushed over this movie. But... Two things. One, it shows, again, how good I think the MCU is. I think this movie is so important <laughs> and so foundational. And there's so much to talk about from it, but I don't think it's a perfect film. There's just a lot of other movies that are still even better than this to me. And right. because of the impact of Iron Man and Avengers 1, I don't think I can move it above it, those two. So I'm sitting right there at 90%. I also want you to know that this movie to me Every time I've ranked these movies, this one has always been the very top of my tier two. Like, I don't think this hmm. movie, just as a standalone film, can bust into that tier one category. Like, we talked about Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier is maybe not my favorite movie to watch all the time, but it's a better right. film than this. It's made better. And right. this is the pinnacle of tier two to me. I would have a little bit of a question if you thought this was a tier one movie, if you thought it was interchangeable with these other ones coming up, but right. it's right there. It's almost there. So I like it a lot. 90%, 11 out of 23. Now let me hear yours. So I'm close. I'm close to you. Um, I'm a little shocked because yours came out slightly higher than mine, and I've been I've been championing this one forever. Um, I know, but I just really liked it this time. Right, right. So... My score is an 89. So literally, I mean, like, you know, right under you. Um, but mine is actually 13 out of 23. Please tell me, though, you have this above Captain America, the first Avenger. Uh, no, Robbie! No! <laughs> the, the, the pause. That's what makes that so good, the pause. <laughs> it is. You don't. Okay. In wow. all fairness, okay. In all fairness, they're tied. Like, they have the same score. But I have. I, have I want Captain you to America. sleep on that decision. I, I want you to sleep on that. Please think about how impactful I this I is. I wrestled with it. I did, but I just it's it's hard because I, you know, I come back to these and and I'm like, which movie is more like like on its own? You know, like which one kind of is tighter and and. I feel like there were just a few moments in Age of Ultron. Like the, the difference between you and I in Captain America is like I think that you you enjoyed it, but like there were a lot of issues that were kind of at the forefront of your mind. And I really don't have that with that movie. Well, that movie's a huge gap between the two of us. Sure, it's just sure. always going to be. I think to the end of time. Yeah, but I, mean, I know you like this movie, Age of Ultron. So I thought this would maybe be the one to kind of sneak above that. <laughs> yeah, you know, I've really I've debated it. It might it might pop up, and I'm like, I've gone back and forth on it. Even right now, you know I'm what? wondering. I will also say that that's your list is not controversial. I think me even having this as a ninety to most people, eleven is probably controversial. Some people have this at like twenty. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's. So, it's hard, I'm, so like, I'm saying you don't need to be ashamed about it. No, I, I think it's interesting that I have those. Like they are scored the same. I enjoy them similarly. Like I think the difference is, I think Captain America is a stronger movie on its own. But again, I love the the relationships and the dynamics that we get in Age of Ultron, and so that's why, like for all intents and purposes, I have them tied. 
Okay. But I had to give the slight edge to one, you know, for, well, the, for the sake of the ranking. I forgive you. Um, I <laughs> thought this was so fun. I love talking about this movie. These really foundational films with the whole team together. It's hard to keep it short. I like talking about it so much. <laughs> so that was the end of our phase two, dude. Which is crazy. Now we are moving into the best phase of all the films, phase three. Man, and we're going to kick off phase three with Doctor Strange next time. And yeah. if you switch the order again, try Guardians 2 here and let's see how you feel. We're moving on to Doctor Strange here. So yep. we'll see how that goes. But that's perfect um, because if you are switching the order, that means you already have the next episode loaded and ready. So you can just scroll down and, and find that puppy. No doubt. Okay, so... So I had this movie at 11 of 23. Robbie has it at 13 of 23. We're pretty much on the same page saying it's so underrated though. So go back, watch if you haven't. We're also doing something unique. We are going to put out a really short Marvelette immediately following this uh, where we discuss that hammer wiggling that we were talking about in yes. Age of Ultron. So if you haven't seen all the rest of the movies, don't listen to that episode. We'll give a disclaimer on that one too, but that's coming up in one second. So we haven't forgotten about that. But to all of you for listening, thank you so much. This has been a true joy for Robbie and I, <laughs> and we could not do it without you guys. So we really appreciate that. Let us know your thoughts. As always on social media, we are at the FFW podcast. Reach out to us on there and let's discuss. It's fun. We would love to hear your rankings now that we're through two phases. Where do you have these all at? Lastly, if you like the podcast, you can subscribe to it. You can leave us a review. We really appreciate that. If you subscribe to it, it shows up on your phone easier. <laughs> so that helps us and it helps yep. you. We love that. Thank you again. And we'll see you next time on Friends From Work. Peace in our time. Peace in our time.